Ever quit a job? Ever redefined yourself within one? Ever started something in one big or failed? Quit is a call-in show, hopefully helping people sort out their lives, reevaluate their options, and kick their crummy corporate stooge jobs to the curb and start something awesome. I'm Dan Benjamin. It's time to quit. We're supposed to have sponsors. I'm not doing them. If you want, you can call in live. The number is 512-518-5714. That's the number right now if you're listening. Now, if you're listening to this later, shame on you. You can leave me a voicemail, area code 512-222-8141. If you're listening live now, see, the people are supposed to put this in the chat room. You can go to 5x5.tv slash quit. I want to keep reading this number, 512-518-5714. You can call in or not. Maybe maybe I'm not going to take any calls today. I don't know because we have a, a lot of voicemails, a lot of voicemails here. We'll do, we'll do majority voicemails and then... Or maybe I'll do majority calls. I haven't decided yet. We got a lot. We got a lot of voicemails in here. All right. So what did Hattie? What did that? Hattie what? Cook is my producer. What did I say I was going to talk about last week? Interviewing, interviewing, and focusing on things. Yeah. All right. Because people generally can interview, and this is what I found. Right now, I'm hiring somebody. I'm trying to hire another uh, associate producer. Hattie, because you've graduated from that. You're you got I a have. big promo. You got a big promotion. And uh, you're focusing mainly on the account management stuff. You'd still do producing stuff, but right. you're going to get some more help in here. Yeah. And that's what happens. You show up at a job and you do a good job. You show up and you work hard and eventually you move up. And even if you think there's nowhere to move up, there's always somewhere to move up. Sometimes you got to move out and you got to quit. Right now, outside this office, out, out mm-hmm. in there, is another one of these campfires. Campfire. That's what they call it. And what, what does this mean? A campfire is where this place where we have our uh, little tiny office, our little tiny, it's at least it's not hot in here today. At least it's not, but it's kind of hot outside. We have our office in this place and outside of it, they have, uh, they have all kinds of, um, I don't know what you call it. It's, it's, you know, they have these little get togethers. They have these little meetings and things like that. Oh, I, now I gotta, I gotta do the tweet out. I guess me then you're not doing that. Me? No, I did it already. And, uh, and so here's a story is they get together and they talk. I don't know what they're doing out there. I don't know if they're networking. I don't know what's supposed to be going on out there, but there's people, they're changing cards and they open wine. It's not the best it's wine. It's more of a mingling. It's mingling. And that it, usually it's, it's the guys outnumber women 15 to one. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just, be, that's representative of technology or if it's because the place is just, uh, no one wants to come. I don't know. So we get to, every time we get to walk through all this nonsense to get in here to do the show, to talk to you people. The actual people. Yeah, these, you're the people I want to talk to. I don't care about the rest. So listen, today, there's some, uh, some horrible, horrible news. We're not going to talk about this. This is not a show about gun control. Okay? But I'm just, we have to mention this kind of thing. Today is December 14th. It's 2012. And uh, today, 20 children and six adults and the shooter are dead after the shooting at Sandy Hook uh, Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. Uh, so this is a, you know, we have to acknowledge this because it's, it's a big deal. And uh, it, this is a disgusting, so this is a disgusting thing. And, uh, you know, what can you say about this? I have two kids and the idea of something like this happening, it's... Uh, horrific. It's horrific. It's nauseating. And uh, this kind of person who does this has problems. To say that they're a despicable, evil person is not accurate. This is a person with, with significant, serious mental, mental problems. problems yeah. And there are people like that all around the world. Right. And the fact that, uh, unfortunately, somebody like that 
uh, decided to take a weapon and do th- this kind of thing uh, that doesn't... Uh, Monster. Yeah. So, you know what? Th- that's it. So, my heart and uh, thoughts go out to the people who've been affected by this. It's terrible. It's disgusting. And um, that's it. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about gun control. We're talking about jobs. Because that's what the show is about. So, if you want to hear that other stuff, uh, you can go somewhere else. Because we're going to be talking about other things. Because you know what? We have, we have a job a to sh- do here. Well, and this is a show called Quit. We have a job to do. And there's other people who can report on that much better than I can. What is area code? You know what? I'm going to get uh, your area code lookup thing ready. Yeah, yeah. What is area code 760? What is that? 760? 760. What is that? That is San Diego, California. All right, San Diego. So what I want to talk about today, what my main thing is talking about, I'm talking about finding a job. I'm talking about interviewing. I'm not talking about your first job out of college. I'm not talking about that kind of interview because to be honest, if you're in college right now or even high school and you're thinking about going and you're thinking about getting a job and you're thinking about interviewing, you, you know almost nothing and they expect almost nothing out of you. If you can get dressed and shave and shower and, put, and, and figure out how to button a shirt and you have a diploma, that's almost the qualifications for the job most places. You don't need, any, you don't need, anything, you don't need anything beyond that most of the time. I'm not talking about that kind of interview. I'm talking about your second job. I'm talking about your third job. I'm talking about, your, in my case, your 10th job. Because those are the interviews that count. Those are the tough interviews. Those are the interviews that are uh, damn near impossible to nail. And I've nailed, I've nailed almost, every, almost every job interview I've ever been on, with maybe one exception where this lady came in and screwed me over. Have I ever told you that you story? Did, uh, but I think you should tell them as well. Okay, I'll tell you that story in a minute. And almost any single job that you come into, you've got you've to know how to interview the right way. What does that mean? Does that mean like it's some skill? Okay, here's, here's Dan's 10 interview tips. No, it's about a mindset. But there's nothing more important than accurately representing yourself. But I'm going to talk about that later. I'm going to talk about the whole interviewing thing later. I also want to talk about if we get time about focusing uh, on things, focusing on things at work. Because last time I talked about that I don't believe that it's possible for you to have a successful side business and a successful job at the same time. I don't know if I really made my point, but, but it, that is a fact. You can't have that. You can't do it. Your job will suffer and your business will suffer and you'll never uh, attain or achieve your potential ever from those things, ever. John Hibbs on Twitter says, maybe you need a political show. I'll never do a political show. Not going to do it. I will never do a political show. I mean, I, it's not my area of knowledge. And I, all I would do would be embarrass myself and everyone listening. San Diego, do I have you on here? Yeah. Um, sorry for tricking you guys, but I'm actually from Toronto. Tor- um, I'm Toronto. calling through Gmail. And so I guess that routes through Google. Um, so I'm sorry for ninjing on your lovely podcast. That's all right. What's, the, what's going on with you? Um, so I guess you want to talk about interviews, but do you mind if I tell uh, another story about kind of quitting and, and so forth? What's your name? Uh, Aaron. Aaron. Okay. Is that a code name? Yeah. Uh, no, I'll just go with first names. I'm not going to, I name don't want any your last companies. name. I just, I just want to know your, uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Don't name any companies cause they'll sue you. Yeah, exactly. All right, go ahead. Um, so I worked at a, out, out of college, uh, late 2009, I started at a job, 
Um, and it was good. The people were good, which, I mean, I don't think you've mentioned this really a lot, but when you find really good people to work with, I think that is so key and not even just for me, but I've seen that with friends and family as well. Um, anyway, it was a good job for a bit. And really after a few years, I was kind of feeling like the, the learning curve was going down. It was still kind of interesting. I wanted to get more into rail stuff and that. Um, so in August, I essentially quit. Um, I had got a new job uh, in the city as well with another company. And I just have to say that it worked so far. It's worked out really well. I mean, I've had some other potential uh, jobs between there, but I feel like it wasn't really time for me to leave. And I think depending on whatever your situation might be, it's kind of a good way to go. Like, you know, really evaluate, do I feel like I really need to leave this place or not? If you're kind of comfortable, maybe stay there till you know for sure that you're ready to go and so you're saying to you move left, on to something else. Are you saying you left, left too soon? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I said I might have left too soon. Um, I had a job offer about a year ago um, that I ended up turning down. I thought about it for a few days or whatever. Um, I turned it down for a what variety do you mean you of might, reasons. What, what do you mean you might have left too soon? Um, well, I don't, I, uh, well, it turns, okay. So this job I worked at for three years, um, and I don't think I left it too soon, but I mean, you can obviously leave it too soon. So about a year ago, so two years into this job, I had a, an interview with another company and it went pretty well. They gave me an offer and that kind of thing. And it wasn't that the offer was bad. I just ended up turning it down for a variety of reasons. And I was happy that I did. Um, because, you know, I was still kind of picking stuff up at that job I was at. Uh, things were still going smooth. But now a year had passed. I was kind of feeling more ready to move on. And to be honest, I think the position I got now would have even been better than that one. Um, just with the people it's with, the kind of uh, work that's involved, uh, all this kind of stuff. Okay, so so what's your point then? Your point is that sometimes sometimes you don't you shouldn't quit. Yeah, sometimes you shouldn't. I mean, obviously, if your current job is terrible, as you've kind of described some of the ones you've been in, then you're probably right to leave. Um, but you shouldn't also feel like it's your only option either. That's a great. Point. So that's a great point. And that's one of the things that I, I want to get to. I don't know if I'm going to get to it on this show, but you make a really good point. And the point is, you know, that, that quitting isn't always the answer. Sometimes it's redefining, but it's quitting the mentality. It's quitting the mindset. It's quitting what you were thinking even. And you know what? You bring up another good point, which is it's not bad to don't listen to this, Hattie. I'm not it's listening. not bad to sometimes go on an interview, you know, go on an interview somewhere. Maybe you don't even plan on working there, but you, you know what? You're going to you're going to go there. You're going to go on an interview and you're going to see how it is. And maybe that that interview will say, wow, this place would suck to work here. I really do have it better than I thought that I had it. So maybe, Hattie, you should start interviewing around. <laughs> But here's the thing is, is, you know, this is, this sounds like what you, uh, what you do. So where are you, where are you at now? You're in Toronto? Yep. All right. That's all you want to say. Oh uh, yeah. That's all I want to say. Keep things uh, private. Keep things private. That's cool. I mean, nobody in Canada listens to this stuff. This is, you know, who, so, but anyway, listen, thanks for the call and I appreciate you sharing your story. And, uh, it's always cool to hear, you know, from people who have, who've done something and, and, and you know what, maybe that's a topic in and of itself, almost quitting. So thanks, uh, Toronto for the call. And also, interesting side note, a friend of mine works at Igloo. I found out about that after uh, they became a sponsor of you guys. Oh, but. yeah. Igloo sponsors uh, a bunch of our stuff here on uh, on the network. All right. Thanks for the yeah. call. Take care of yourself. All right. Take care. All right. Best Bye. of luck. So that's the whole point, is that maybe, maybe you don't quit. Maybe you don't quit. Maybe you reevaluate it. People in the chat room are very excited. 
get excited about the chat room. So listen, if you're listening to this, if you, let me just tell people the ways to listen to this right now. Five by five TV slash live 5 p.m. Eastern time every Friday. You can also get the uh, free iOS app, five by five iOS app. Listen there. The number to dollars is five one two five one eight five seven one four. If you want to call in, maybe I'll do. Maybe I won't do any more. I don't know. He was he was pretty good. His call quality was good. I don't know. That's something we did. I don't know. It sounded really really was good. That's something we did to make that better. I yes, I did that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so here's you know here's the thing that I struggle with a lot of the time when you're when you're in a situation where you're working and you're at a job and you think, ah, eh, you know what, I'm. I'm not really being appreciated here. I don't have X, Y, Z. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have the other thing. Maybe it'd be better. Maybe the, you know, grass is always greener. Sometimes it actually is greener. You know, but exploring that, going on that, doing an interview, this guy went on an interview and he walked away from it. I used to do that all the time. I'd go on an interview, tell my boss, well, I got a dentist appointment on Tuesday. So that's how I'm going to know I mean, Hattie, I think if you it, ever go on a dentist appointment, I'll know the reality. I actually need a dentist appointment. I bet you They do. called me the other day, the dentist. I bet. Did. I, bet. The I bet they called you in for a dentist appointment. Called. That's what they did. <laughs> but listen, go on, go on that interview and it might just remind you, it might just remind you of how good of a situation that you're actually in. Well, also, I think it's really, it's really helpful to go, you know, on an interview that's not like a life or death situation. You know, those interviews that you go in and you're like, if I don't get this, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's nice to kind of go when you already have a job and kind of maybe take some of the, the fright out of interviewing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. I've never once been nervous on an interview. I've never once been well, nervous you're a getting a professional up. talker. I've never once been nervous <laughs> getting up in front of uh, people to give a talk. I gave a talk at MailChimp. That's why we didn't do a mm -hmm. show last week because MailChimp said, uh, Dan, we'd like you to come out and give a talk. They've been my sponsor here in five by five for three and a half years or something. And when they say, come out and get, you know, do a call, I mean, do a, do a talk, you can come out and, you do talk. You do talk, yeah. You don't say, well, well, I don't know if I can make it. No, you you get out there and you do it. So I did. I went out there and I gave a talk. And then, you know what? It was a damn good talk. In retrospect, I think it was better than I thought it was at the time. I think I did a pretty good job. Not a great job. I mean, you can't, nobody can follow Merlin Mann. That's just the way it works. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, I followed him, but I didn't follow him. <laughs> And I went out there and one of the things that I talked about there, I was sort of talked about success and failure. And I talked about all the things that I've failed at, not just in business, but in, in my entire life. I wanted to be a photographer. I wanted to learn ham radio. I wanted to learn judo. You know, I wanted to do all these things. I, I never was successful at any of these things. Never. And, you know, I kind of identified the reason why. The reason why that I was a failure, you know, I wanted to draw comic books. I wanted to play sports. I, uh, I, I never learned to read Hebrew for my bar mitzvah. I didn't, you know, I was in film school. I was a film major. I tried to learn to play guitar. I mean, all of these different things. And then I became a corporate stooge. And then I was, a, I was sitting in, uh, in a corporate stooge environment for years. And I thought that's all that I could get. And what all this, all these failures for me came from fear of commitment you know, until I finally figured out that the, the only way out is through. I've talked about that a lot on this show. You know, and I still wake up every morning feeling absolutely terrified, absolutely terrified that it's all going to be gone. That I'm going to have to start back over again. So that's what I do every morning as I start back over again. Don't kid yourself and think that you, anything you have is secure. Don't kid yourself and, and think anything you have is there to stay or can't change or can't go away. 
You know, look at these kids that got shot today. You know, you think, oh, maybe, maybe worst case scenario, your kid's going to fall off the slide and, you know, break an arm. It's not even in your realm you of You expect them to come thoughts. home. Yeah. Still coming home. So I still wake up every morning worried about this crap. So don't think that, you know, don't think that you're like the only one that, that's worried. I think it's reasonable to worry. I think it's probably, it might not be good to worry, but it's reasonable to be concerned. Reasonable to be concerned and wonder about this stuff. Let me do one of these voicemails. I haven't, I have not pre-screened these. Have you pre-screened these? No. I okay. Now, from now on, I want you to just start okay. pre-screening these. I don't, cause I don't All know right. what this is. Uh, hi, Dan. And I guess friends, Hattie and whoever else is involved. Um, I'm not calling so much about, so much as about like quitting a job as I am. One for, I'm, yeah. Okay. He's nervous. I'm, start I'm not calling about quitting a job. I'm quitting about getting Where's he going with this? I'm calling. I want to give him a chance. He's nervous. My first job. Now, he wants his first job. He was hired at BMW up here in Canada. I don't know if you have them down there in the States. And it's, oh, it's mainly about like, I feel excited about finally getting a paycheck, being able to buy things. Um, and I just thought that this is kind of related to quitting and getting new, a new job that you like better for yourself. You know, it's a job. Uh, goodbye. Okay, so he's just nervous. That's all right. Because that's I'm, what happens to you on an interview. Right. He's nervous. He's calling up a show. He's not even live. He's calling up a show. He's nervous. He sounds well, young, though. Well, and he's, he's nervous about getting his he first job. Young. He's probably nervous about interviewing. I was. Were you nervous about the interview here that we had here? Well, you lied and told me it wasn't an it's interview. It's not a lie. I wasn't, it wasn't an interview. We just sat and we ate tacos. That's how I interview people. We and eat go, tacos. This isn't an interview. It wasn't an yes, interview. Yes, it was. I knew I was it was an interview. I was absolutely evaluating you, but I wasn't interviewing you. I already knew I liked you. I already knew you were hired. I just wanted to get the details. After those notes that you took on that, when we went out and then looked at that property, your notes were outstanding. That's the kind of thing you can't teach integrity. If you show up, and this is the thing that I've learned from hiring, from working as a boss and hiring people for a long, long time now, is that you can tell if a person has integrity most of the time. And sometimes, and this is the tough part for, a, for an employer, for a hiring manager, is that you can go there and you can hire somebody going into it saying, this person, I really like this person. They're, they're smart. They're talented. I think they'd work great with the people here. I think they'd work great with the people like the first caller talked about. But... You know, you know in your heart if they have the integrity or not. You can't teach integrity and you can't teach accountability. You can't teach responsibility. And, and when, I feel that's how people know when somebody's going to be a good fit is it's just kind of an unspoken It's an unspoken thing. You can't put your finger thing, on it. And so right? this, this guy that called up, I don't know where this uh, kid was from, but he's going, he's got his first job. I'll tell you what, I remember my first job. I was 13 years old. My mom had to drive me to the Burger King and she had to sign a little waiver on the, on the uh, application that said she gave me her permission to work because you were not allowed to work until you were 14 years old. And I was there on Sunday, my 13th birthday, my first day of work. 13 years old, little, little Danny with the $35 
Burger King outfit that they, I had to buy was like a shirt and I had like a hat. And that's what I wore to Burger King to work. And you know what my job was? I stood behind I the broiler. Story. Like, okay, should I not tell it again? No, I love the story. That's oh, you I actually yeah, love no, it. No, I really do. Oh, I love it. I thought you were, okay. oh, I love, No, I really do. So my job, I went in there and I used to work after school. I would work into, from like 4 or 4.30, I think it was, to like, it was like 8. And I would stand there. And the way the Burger Kings worked back then, I think they're the same, is they'd had this huge uh, boiler, this huge broiler, rather. Because they actually do broil the, bur- the you know, they're mm-hmm. flame broiled. That's true. And what they had is a con- two conveyor belts inside this big metal broiler. And on the top one, it's a conveyor belt that looks almost like, kind of like a, not like a chain link fence, but it's got like, almost like a chain link fence. And it's rolling, it's rolling through over the heat. And the heat thing is in the middle. And the burgers go on top of that. And then the next row down uh, are where the buns go. And then uh, right behind the broiler, right in front of you, and this broiler is 150 degrees, 200 degrees. I don't know what it was, but you're sweating behind this thing. And then right in front of you is this, on, on wheels, a, uh, a chest freezer. And inside there are the patties. And then behind you, stacked up on the wall, is floor to ceiling, are the buns. And this is, I'm sure it's a bit more automated now. But the way it used to be is you'd have the guy up in the front and he'd say, five Whoppers, five Whopper Juniors, three burgers, two cheeseburgers. That was it. You had to remember that. 13 years old. <laughs> and then you have to go, there's no training video. You have to go and you have to separate these frozen patties with your fingers, with your hands. You don't have gloves. You don't have anything with your hands. You don't have, you're not, you can't use a knife to chip them. You just have to separate them with your hands. They're frozen solid. Then you put them up on top of this broiler. They start going through the broiler. When they're about 30 seconds in the broiler, you grab the buns, you put the buns in the bottom, buns flip out. Then you run around to the other side with the tongs. The tongs have been heated up to about 100 degrees because they have to sit on top of the broiler. And then you take the thing, you put it into the, you take the burger and patty and you put it into the thing, you put it in a little bin, the bin keeps it warm, the air and everything and moisture and everything is in there in these little steamers. Or if you're busy, it just goes right to the next guy who's then going to put the toppings on it because it's how you like it. It's how it's made to order. That goes through, you're done. You do that, and you do that for three to four hours at a time with no break. But one time I made the mistake of putting a little plastic cup of water next to that broiler because I was so hot. <laughs> I got chewed out. I got dressed down about that thing. Forget it. Never did that again. Miserable job. But I was glad to get it. You know, no how, much I, you know how much I made an hour, Hattie? How much? $3.35 and I was rich. <laughs> I could buy anything I could possibly imagine. I, I, could, I could have ever, anything I wanted. I had it. Anything I wanted, I had it. And I saved up and I combined what I earned there after a couple months with my, uh, with my bar mitzvah money. And I bought a, a Commodore. I bought a TRS-80. I, got, I had computers, man. What is that? It's a, a plane that's flying a Chapman Motors sign across the I think it's a mail sky. plane. No, it's... You a- see the little balls? All right, let's take the next <laughs> call. Hey, Dan. It's Jeff up here in Lancaster, PA. Um, PA. I just wanted to call a couple of things. Um, I was listening to Quit episode one uh, the other day, and uh, your advice about um, finding a support system and specifically um, about asking your parents if you've got nobody else, um, that is great advice. Uh, I actually did that myself a number of years ago when I quit a job that I just absolutely hated. Um, went to my parents, told them what I was going to do. Um, my mom could tell uh, for months that I was miserable. 
And when I told them that I you know, was going to quit and I had lined up a good long-term freelance gig, they were totally on board, but they totally told me to do it and they had my back. So really, uh, anybody listening out there, if you, if you, if you if you're not married, you don't have a wife or a husband um, as a support system or a girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever, um, talk to your parents. They'll, they'll probably surprise you. Um, and also, uh, just a little bit of advice for everybody out there. Um, if you're going to quit, if you feel like you're going to quit, if you really want to do it, honest to God, quit first thing Monday morning, 8 a.m., go in and quit first thing. Nothing feels better. It's absolutely fantastic. That's good. All right, I'll get out of here. That's it. Thanks, Dan. You're doing a great job. Quit, everybody. All right, Pennsylvania, represent. Thanks <laughs> for the call. Uh, so here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying you need that support structure if you're going to quit. But you know what? You need that support structure even more if you're not going to quit. Because right. if you're unhappy, you know, the first thing you do is not walk out the door. It's like, how can I, how can I reinvent this? That's step number one. Can mm-hmm. I improve this situation? Is it so crappy that I just simply can't improve it at all? There's nothing that I can do to improve this. There's nothing I can do to change this. And that's what talking to people helps yeah, with. Maybe they out, might you have talk an idea. To somebody. Yeah. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? I know people who have master's degrees who are, who are working essentially like entry-level style jobs, and they're happy doing it. I bet their parents aren't happy footing that bill, but the people, the people in the job, they're happy. You know why? Maybe they like no stress. Maybe they like no stress. I know a guy who's a pressman. Uh, he runs the press at a, a large newspaper. Like he's in there running the press. This is a guy with a business degree. Okay, and he, instead of doing that, He's running these big towers. He makes a decent living. He's made a decent living for a long time. And I asked him one time, I said, why, why didn't you ever want to use your degree? He said, you know what? Because I like doing this. I said, why didn't you ever move up into management? He said, yeah, you get a little bit more money, but you get a hell of a lot more stress. And he's like, I don't want that. I don't need that. I'm happy to come in, enjoy my job. I like the people I'm working with. At the end of the day, I go home. I don't think about it again. He doesn't think about it. Till the next day. I think about work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It doesn't feel like work to me. It doesn't feel like work to me. I, you know how they say don't mix work and play? I don't know the difference. I'm screwed up because I don't know the difference. When I used to separate work and play, well, no, 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 no. That, oh, so a buddy of mine, one time I was having coffee with a buddy of mine. You know who, you know who it was? Oh, okay. yeah. I was having lunch with him and he was working for the man, corporate stooge job. And uh, I was having coffee with him, actually. We were at a Starbucks. This was in, uh, I don't want to say where it is. I'll give it away. It wasn't here. It wasn't Florida. Figure it out. And, huh? No. Oh. Good guess. It's my only other guess. I was sitting there with him, and I was, uh, I was working as a, cons- uh, a consultant, like doing software development, running my little electronic publishing company. And I was sitting there with him, and I was like, okay, and I was working on a project for the company that he was full-time with, and he was like my point man. And we were meeting, and it was in the afternoon, and I said, okay, well, you know what? Um, I'll get this done. I'll get this done. Why don't we set up a call tomorrow, and uh, we can talk. You know, I should be available around 1 o'clock for like, we can talk for an hour. And he's like, nah, dude, no, nah, I, don't, I don't work on the weekends. You know, you know how it is. And it clicked for me that for him, this was a job. It was a job for him. And Saturday, like, you don't work Saturday. Because you're working for somebody else. 
and because you're not passionate about what you're doing. And even if you are passionate about it, you're passionate about it from about 8.59 until about 5.01. And that's about it. And then when that, when that bell rings, just like in recess, you're out of there, man. You're gone. You're gone. And you're, you're mentally gone before that. Is it possible for you to feel, should you feel somewhat accountable? Should you feel that responsibility? Should you feel that for somebody else? For somebody else's business, for somebody else's job, I think that's possible. I think the answer has to be yes, because you should you should feel like you've got something invested in it. Do you do the right thing when no one's looking? That's what you got to ask yourself. Do you do the right thing when nobody else is around and when nobody else will know? Do you fold your t-shirts and put them in the drawer? Or do you just chuck them in there? All right, so we got somebody waiting. On- here, 619, what's that area code? Fast, fast, it. fast, <laughs> fast, fast, fast. Six, fine. Six. 619, what is it? Okay. 619. Uh, San Diego, California. Like, that's what you said last time, That's San what Diego. it's saying. California, California. I'm really from San Diego. All right, <laughs> finally. That last guy was an imposter. <laughs> what are you calling about? What's your so name? Just, what's your first so name? My name is Abdel. All right. What's going on with you? Uh, so I just wanted to comment on... Uh, the uh, thought, pro- the thought that you have about uh, you can't do things on the side and have a successful. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. So I mean, I tell me I'm wrong. I, I just <laughs> no. You, you're not wrong. It, it's the thing is, is that most people are too comfortable elsewhere to kind of take those uh, those big risks. You know, it's 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 a difficult and it takes a lot of uh, cojones. Let's put it that way. To basically say I'm willing to give up something that's you know comfortable to go after, you know the possibility of fear, of fear the unknown. Something on my own. Fear the right. unknown. Well, I've never run my own business before. How do I know it's going to work? That's fine for exactly. It's fine for Abdal. That's fine for Dan to go and start your own business. But what if it doesn't work? Then I walked away from a really good job. So you know what? I'm going to start this right. thing. I'll start on the weekend and I'll see if it works. That's fine. But there comes a point, and you know what I'm talking about. There yeah, comes that point feeling. where you've got to say, I've taken this as far as I can go because either A, the business is being held back. B, my work is starting to suffer. C, my family life is starting to suffer. D, I have no social life. Whatever it is, you're going to get to a point where you've got to make a decision and you've got to say, I'm not going to do this other business anymore because it is not successful. Or, right. yes, I am prepared to make the jump and do it. And I've proven to myself that you know what with me doing this part time i'm making $3000 a month but i know that if i do this thing full time that i'll be able to double that because i'll have twice as much time or three times as much time or 10 times as much time to do it right it's fear you're talking about right, fear I mean, but that's a good fear to have exactly and i think if you look at all the great entrepreneurs of the world i mean i mean if we take a if we take a, let's say we use mark zuckerberg as an example i mean think about quitting Harvard, right? I mean, for most people, that's ludicrous. That's insane to drop out of an Ivy league school to pursue this little internet thing, you know? And it's, I mean, the six, that success might not be replicated for everybody in terms of, you know, wealth, but it's, you know, that's, that's what the great entrepreneurs of the world do is that they take these huge risks and, you know, you, that's how you get the big rewards. That's just, it's just the fact that the big risk takers are the big are the people who get the biggest reward so i mean 
you know, one thing I would say, and I would, I would tell people, and you know, I've been an entrepreneur really from my early twenties, um, is that if, especially if you're like younger, if you don't have a lot of responsibilities, like a family, a mortgage, um, or, you know, a spouse or anything like that, just, if you have an idea and you have a, and you're willing and you think that it's a good one, just do it. I mean, you know, this is, if you live in the United States, especially like what's the worst that's going to happen. You're not going to die if it doesn't work out, you know, you'll be able to get unemployment or work at Burger King, like you did when you were younger and, you know, make, make a little bit of a living, um, to get back on your feet. So, you know, it's just something that I think is important that we, that you take the risks and, and that once it gets to that point where you're willing to basically, once it gets to that point where you believe in it, just, I mean, quit and, quit and, and, go and do it. take it full time. You just do it. Just do it. All right, man. Thanks for the inspirational call. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye. All right. So uh, what's the number, Hattie? I mean, what's the what's number? number? What are they supposed to call? What's the number to dial? Oh, oh, you keep, you keep. Uh, You'll be right on the ball. It's 512. Was it 517? How can you not know this? Uh, you haven't 512 given... <laughs> Do you work here? Uh, you haven't given 512. it to me. 512-518-5714 if you want to. Wow. <laughs> wow. People in the chat room know it. Thanks, Tiger. They have it copied and pasted. All right. So this one time I went on this interview, okay? It was, a, it was a really good interview. I went in. They took me to this. It was like a movie. It was like a dark conference room. The lights were all down. It was big. It was like old-fashioned. They had like wooden, wooden paneling on the walls and a big wooden table, the polished wooden table with the chairs and everything and like mood lighting and everything. And I, uh, and I went in there and, you know, they have you sit at the table and they come in. They kept bringing in different people, different rounds of people bringing them in. And, uh, you know, it was starting, it was starting to weird me out a little bit. Like I'd been on plenty of interviews. This one was starting to get to me. Mm, and I was, I was just like, what's going on here? So, but anyway, it seemed like it was going okay. And they kept bringing another person in. I thought I was going to talk to one or two people. Get bringing in. Okay. Well, thanks. We're going to have uh, Mary and Bill come in and talk to you a little bit. They work in the same uh, department you might be working. Okay. Then they'd come in and sit down and ask you all the same questions again. And then they'd leave and another person would come in and then they'd have you go out and they'd have you sit and wait in another area. And then the HR lady would come in. Okay, we're going to walk you down over here now. And so then I talked to the main guy. I finally get to the main guy. You know, they don't want to bring him in until the end. They don't want to waste his, his precious time. So I come in and I talk to him and things are really going well. And he's, he's basically saying like, hey, you know what? This is looking pretty good. He actually said that to me. I'm like, oh, great, you know. I'm not even sure I want to work at this dump. But by, by the time now, I'm like, all right. So he starts walking me around, walking me through the halls. And look who it is. Call her Angie. Let's make up a name. Angie. Oh, Angie. Uh, and I never had a big problem with Angie, but she didn't like me. Because she was one of these people. This is back in my IT days when I was running like, like I, was, I was the guy who was in the server room at 3 a.m. swapping backup tapes because... Arthur had a problem with the file system. Arthur was our main server. Had a problem with the file system and then another drive died. And now I got to restore it from tape or because the one lady in finance realized in the middle of the night that she deleted something and I would have to drive into work, open the safe, get the tapes, find the tapes. And this was with the awful, these um, AFS dump 
or a UFS dump rather, things in Unix. Oh, the worst, SunOS 414. What a nightmare that was. They have to back up on these tapes. And they were too cheap to buy new tapes, so I always had to reuse the tapes, and the failure rate was really high. And then the, the AC unit, the Liebert unit in the, in the room would go bad, and then the drives would die. Anyway, this girl, let's call her Angie, she worked in one of these departments. And I only, the only time I ever saw her was when she had something going wrong. And the only time something was going wrong with her was when something major was already going on with the network. This was not a pretty scenario for me. And I was in way over my depth. I was way out of my element. I was learning and I was trying really hard and I had no support system. I had no infrastructure. And it's not like the internet now where you just go and Google for the answer. If you didn't know it, like maybe you were lucky enough to find an O'Reilly book at, uh, at Barnes & Noble that could help you with it. Maybe you were lucky enough to know one of these wizards and Unix wizards who could answer the question for you. But I didn't have those all the time. So I had to just figure stuff out and I was wrong a lot of the time. And there were plenty of times when I was wrong when she, you know, wanted my help. And she'd walk in, oh, you know what? Yeah, the, the, the daemon process on the server that does the shares for all the Windows 3.11 machines, yeah, guess what? That, that process died. Well, I'm already freaking out in the server room trying to straighten this crap out and find out what's going on. And she comes in, uh, I can't get to the D drive. Uh, I can't get to it. So uh, I'm going to tell my whole department to go home. Well, I'm, 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 I'm trying to fix it right now. I'm sorry. I'm trying to fix it right now. This is where I learned the importance of saying I'm sorry first. I'm sorry, and how can I fix it? How can Those I fix are the it? two number one things you need to know. Learn that at working the hard way. anywhere. Took me a long time to figure that out. Maybe too late. But I had enough run-ins with her because she was like, the minute there would be a problem, she'd be right there. I had enough run-ins with her that she didn't like me, and she's one of the only people I've worked with that like didn't like me. She did not like me. I don't know what I don't know what I did to her. Other than just maybe I wasn't fast enough or apologetic enough. <laughs> I, I could handle her now. Now I could handle her. Yeah. But then. I was an idiot. How old are you? Like, uh, 20. Yeah. 23, 24. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe 25. Younger. And uh, guess who I run into the hall of this place I'm interviewing? It's her. She <laughs> works there. She's there. You know, that sounds like it's straight out of a movie. Like, no. (laughs) And she's like, oh, Dan, nice to see you. What are you doing here? Oh, I'm interviewing. Oh, are you? Okay, great. Well, good to see you. Never heard back from those people. (laughs) Yeah. Never heard back from those people. I wonder, wonder why. Now, Hmm. in the years between the time when I worked with her and she left and went to work somewhere else and I left and worked many, I learned a whole lot. I ate a lot of what they call a humble pie. You ever eaten that? I've eaten humble pie. And I, I was, I have to be honest, I was quite a different person by then. But that opinion of me stuck around. Mm-hmm. That opinion of me that she had, that was the last time she saw me. It was three, four years ago. A lot can happen in three or four years, Hattie. A lot can happen in just a few months. A lot can happen. But, oh, no, that's how he was. So guess what? I didn't get that job. I mean, it's probably better off. Five one two five one eight five seven one four. If you want to call in, we got more voicemails, but there's another call in here. Okay, ready for it? Two oh four. What is that? Two oh four. Going, searching, searching. <laughs> two oh four. Yeah. What is that? Canada. Really? Manitoba. I'm gonna make them hold a minute. So, when I talk about interviewing, I'm not. I don't have. I don't have tips. I don't have tips for you. 
really, except a couple. Be yourself and be honest. Mm -hmm. Because this is the thing. If you show up and they say, oh, you ever done this? Oh, yeah, of course I've done that. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, <laughs> and even are? if you know that you're absolutely confident that you can figure it out by the time that you get there, better off to just say no. Better off to just say no. And follow it up with, but I'd love to learn. Right. Or I'm ready to learn it or anything like that. I heard some advice from, uh, from a guy at one point, And he said to me, the answer in any interview question should always be yes. So for example, oh, do you have any experience with topic and his he would say you figure out how to make that a yes answer i think that is total crap i think that is absolutely wrong i was wrong. just about to say i don't think that that's good no it's, no. it's better <laughs> off to say no because that's how i lived i followed that advice and like my first three jobs kind of fake it till you make it yeah situation and yeah. you know what i don't i would rather somebody be like no i don't know how to do it well you know what thanks very much for coming in maybe you're getting the job anyway maybe you're not getting the job you're saving them time and you're saving yourself from having to I, fake it yeah, for that if, long. I, if I know that somebody's honest, if I know that somebody's being honest with me and admitting what they don't know, but I know that they've got integrity and that they can, because you, when you meet someone, you know, if they're the kind of person that's going to learn stuff, you know, if they're the kind of person that wants to could just coast, there's a big difference back to this earlier caller who says, maybe, maybe you shouldn't quit. You know, there's something to be said for somebody who can come in and interview and say, you know what? I have a job. And I'm kind of happy in my job, but I heard about this opportunity and I wanted to see what it would be like. You know, the, I, I knew a guy, I used to work for a guy who would almost never, he had like a rule. I know, I'm not saying he wouldn't break it, but he had like a rule. And his rule was he would not hire somebody who was unemployed. Listen to that. He would not hire somebody who was unemployed. Hmm. Why would he not hire someone? Because they can't get a job. They can't keep a job. I don't want that kind of person. I want to poach talent from somewhere else. Mm. I want to steal a good employee from somewhere else. That's I, hard for people right out of school though. Well, we're not talking about those people. Those people are lucky to get paid period. <laughs> when you're first out of school, you're lucky to have any, are you listening? You're lucky to have any job. I'm listening. not talking to you. I'm talking to the people <laughs> in the audience. You're lucky to have any job because you don't know anything. It doesn't matter what your degree is in. It doesn't matter what you learn in school. First of all, if you get to use anything that you learned in school ever in your entire career, consider yourself very lucky. That's not real. That's not real life. I mean, unless you're like an architect and you get out and you go into architecture and you do architecture or you're a doctor and you're practicing cutting up corpses and cadavers and you go out. What's the difference? Corpse and cadaver. I'll go with cadaver. I think cadaver is the medical. You're cutting up a cadaver and then you go and you cut up real people like that. There's a connection there. But most of the time. Like if you get to use 10, 20% of what you learn in school, that doesn't mean, because here's what the thing is with school. And this is a whole other topic. Let's uh, jot this one down for me to talk about. Is about school, doing school, finishing school, how important your major is, how important, all of that. Encapsulate it, write it down, tungle it. Are you really in Canada? Oh, yeah. Okay. How's it going? Good. How are you? What's your first name? I'm good. This is uh, John from Winnipeg. Okay, Winnipeg. Yeah. Cold up there. It's, uh, you know what, it's not bad. It's, uh, it's warmer than, I guess, the minus 60 Fahrenheit that it gets in January, so I'm, wow. I'm pretty happy. My oh my God, oh my I think God. my whole body just broke. What are, you, what are you calling about? What's on your mind today? Well, I'm going to tell you guys about uh, the couple times that I quit. All right. What, what do you do now? Uh, are you working now? Are you employed? Are you employed, sir? I'm self-employed. Well, I like to say that I run a business of one employee. Nice. I like that. 
Yeah, because I think freelance kind of has this stigma that you're not professional and you'll be like temporarily hired by people. <laughs> right, like freelance implies that you're like a lawn guy or something. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know, you can still be professional and just be one person. Yeah. All right, so you got a business um, of one. What, what, when have you quit? Uh, first time I quit um, in a pretty major way was uh, I'd gotten out of high school and somehow landed a job doing um, software development and kind of like design and development support stuff, uh, which was kind of a joke considering it happened around the whole like dot-com bust sort of thing. So in, uh, in I guess it was 2001, uh, we developed this product that was basically like Squarespace. And it was, it was a huge pain in the ass, right? Uh, or pain in the butt. Is this, yeah, I can say that. Yeah, sure. Whatever you can say whatever you want. Here. Uh, oh, beautiful. Um, so we developed this beautiful system that had, um, it used uh, iframes and all this kind of stuff and, and figured out what your selections were and then parsed them and things like that back when it was IE 5.5. And we had worked so tirelessly on this thing. And, and the, uh, the owners of the business did not want to give us adequate time to test it. So the whole thing launched and a couple bugs resulted in... Wait a minute, this is John Funk. It, it is. Okay. You got to say who you are. <laughs> Underscore <laughs> underscore funk dot com. Yeah, I know him. I know we know him. You got to say I'm thinking I know this guy. <laughs> Surprise! All right, keep going. Yeah, so so this thing didn't get uh, get tested properly. So it could have taken maybe another two weeks to work out the kinks, and this was just so ahead of its time. It was it was ridiculous, and as a result, it tanked. And I said, you know what? Forget this. Um, I'm either going to go into nursing or art school. Right. Because those are the obvious other, other choices, nursing and art school. Yeah. And, uh, and so I ended up in art school and I, and I quit. So I had a, you know, a nice cushy job coming out of, uh, out of high school and said, forget this. If you guys aren't going to let me do good work, like, why do I want to be here? Right. And what's funny is that along the way of getting to, uh, to run my own business kind of thing, I mean, I've worked in, like meatpacking plants or hog barns and things like that. No kidding. Uh, you know, yeah, what you think, well, you got to do what you got to do, right? Wow. And, um, and you think like, oh, that's got to be terrible work. And it's, you know, obviously a little messy. Did you kill the pigs? But, uh, no, 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 no. This was just like, like making fake hams and stuff. Okay. But, um, and it was all very clean. So, you know, it's, I don't, I don't, didn't mind it really, but, um, but it was nice because there was such low stress. That's, you know, and there's something, there's something to be said for, for that, the quality of the place that you're working for, the amount of stress that you have. Um, you know, there's, there is a big difference, John, I think between, you know, between working a lot and working hard and feeling stress. Those, those things do not, it's not synonymous that because you're working hard or because you're, you're putting a lot of time and energy and effort into something that there's stress involved. You don't have to be stressed. I know people who work hard as hell and they, they, they are not stressed at all. And they leave at the end of the day and they're exhausted and they're blown out, blown away, but they're not, they're not feeling stress. There's a big difference. Yeah. And what I think is kind of funny is that uh, a lot of people that don't understand the difference of those types of stresses and work, uh, get the wrong impression when they see people who are comfortable doing the work. 
um, and working hard. Like a lot of people say, oh, John, you're, you're working too much. You're working too long. It's like, well, you know, that would only be an issue if I hated myself for doing it. Right. But I like it. I like it's that, Hazel, I that Hazel Ridge logo you did is one of my favorites. Did you do that? Oh, thanks. Yeah, I did. I like that. Anything with a rooster in it, already you're winning. <laughs> yeah, it's a, the, the logo's a little cocky, but, you know, it'll do. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, it, the cold makes us squirrely up here. Uh, and the, the second time I quit, I was working at a, a small studio, and, like, absolutely fantastic group of people uh, really enjoyed the work I was doing, but I was still doing some freelance stuff, so sort of what you were talking about there. Right. And um, I'd, I've always had this kind of feeling that, like, if you're working for someone else, you're, you're kind of indebted to them, and they, they kind of own you a little bit. And at the end of the day, it always comes down to um, people have to take care of themselves. So I can't begrudge an employer if they have to cut me. But at the same time, I can be realistic about the fact that that is an option. Yeah. So I've always had this kind of thing going on the side, and I was working for this one studio, and I got approached by another studio, and I went through the process with them, and they wanted to hire me as well. And it kind of went back and forth between the two. That's whether I was going to stay at one or move on to the other. And I eventually just decided, you know what? Like, I, I hate the position that I'm in right now. I'm doing a lot of work, but I'm having to juggle all of these, uh, all of these options. And as a result, I'm not enjoying any of it. So I said, forget it. You know what? I'm going to quit all of this. Yeah. And then just focus on my freelance stuff. And you know what? Sure, I might be uh, scared of this. To, uh, to quote Merlin Mann, copyright uh, patent pending. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I might be freaked out for a bit, but my anxiety is something that I can deal with, and those are decisions that I can make. And you're in, you're, an You have more control there. Control. Right. It's, it's about control in that respect. Sorry, yeah, so you're, you're a friend so, of the show. You're a big-time listener of these shows. You've been uh, around for a while. Underscore, so I'm going to pimp you a little bit. Underscorefunk.com. And also underscore funk on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. You do some nice work. Yeah. My partially finished website. It's cobbler's kids. You know, they got no shoes. That's right. <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate the call. Thanks very much for, uh, for sharing your story and thanks for hanging. You've been around for since the beginning, dude. I know. It's crazy. He's hey, old you know school. It's, uh, it's, it's my pleasure. Thanks for, uh, for having me on and I uh, love what you guys are doing. Keep, uh, keep rocking. All right, man. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Take care. Winnipeg. Who knew? All the way up there in Winnipeg. But, you know, that, that's an interesting story. I was like, hearing the stories of people who have quit and figured out what they're doing. But I want to I finish up this interview thing before we get Mike on here. Oh, we got to get Mike. <laughs> Here's the thing. When you go in for this interview, the only thing I want you to do, this is the only thing I want you to do, is two things. Be yourself and be honest. Because... Here's what's going to happen. You're going to create a facade otherwise. And that facade may look really good and it may get you hired. But when you're in there, after a little while, that facade's going to start to chip away. This sounds obvious. This sounds like something that people are just, well, of course it is. But people still try and do this every day. I'm not saying be yourself like if you're a slob and you want to wear flip-flops around because that's the worst. Don't wear flip-flops. I don't care what, listen to me. Do yourself, respect yourself. Have a little bit of integrity and dignity and get dressed and go to work and look like a million bucks, whatever that means for you. That makes a big difference. 
you know what? I don't like this. I don't, Hattie, I don't like this whole culture of today of uh, wearing, you know, just rolling slobby uh, T-shirts and flip-flops and shorts and stuff at work. Oh, it's casual. It's a cool place. Like, we're all dudes. Like, no. What happened? A little bit of self-respect. Right. I'm not saying you got to spend a four. You know what? Listen to me. You can go to, listen to this. <laughs> I did some research for this show, Hattie. I know you did. You always do. You don't know what I do. You can go to Target and you can go to Target and you can buy, and I bought one. You can buy a button down shirt at Target for like 20 something bucks. It's a nice dress shirt. I'm not saying it's, it's super fancy, high end, you know, made to measure whatever, couture, fine. But it's a nice quality shirt from Target and you can get a nice pair of pants at Target and you're not going to break the bank here. There's no excuse that you can't go and get a decent shirt and look decent at your job. And you know what? If you do it, other people will do it too. And you can class that joint up in no time. And when you go to an interview, this is the thing. Well, I know they work in mainly T-shirts and, and jeans there. So I'm, I'm going to wear T-shirt and jeans to the interview. You're going to look like a slob and the people are going to think that you're a slob because if that's how you show up for an interview, that's the best you can do. I'm not saying put on a suit and tie, although I will say, I will say, I almost every time until many years later wore a suit and tie to an interview and never hurt me. Oh, well, that was a long time ago, Dan. That was a different. No. It shows the people that you're interviewing with that you care about yourself and you, you care, care about the job and, and you, you know, care. Yes. You just care. <laughs> you care. And you, 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 you're interested in looking your best. And you know what? Oh, they're going to think I'm a stiff if I show up in it. You know what? First of all, no, they're not. They're because probably going to say, yourself. you know, what? and I'm not saying go and borrow your dad's suit. <laughs> Don't borrow your granddad's suit or your dad's suit. You can look, you know what? You know, what looks good in a suit. You know, what looks good in a suit. Beck looks pretty good in a suit. And he doesn't look like he's wearing his dad's suit either. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Get one that looks great. Get something that looks, you know. And get why, it tailored. Yeah, you got to get your <laughs> stuff tailored. But I, you know what? I would rather you show up in a suit that didn't fit you, but that you put the time in to say, you know what? I need to get a suit. I have to look good for this. Now, here's something I don't want you to do. If you just want to show up with just a, a button-up shirt and a tie, that's fine. Especially if you know, because you want to dress up a level above the people that, that are hiring you. So if you know that they wear T-shirts and jeans, unless they specifically tell you, we wear T-shirts and jeans, please show up in T-shirt and jeans. Unless they make that known and ask you to do it, dress up for it. It will never hurt you. And I'll tell you what else. If a place looks at you and says, oh, uh, you, you know, he's too stiff to work here. We don't want to listen. Hattie, how do I dress to work? How do I dress when it's just you and me and sometimes a guest in this place? You you wear your collared shirt. Collared you put shirt. your collar stays in Gotta your be in collared shirt. shirt. I'll wear a tie sometimes. Sometimes a tie, a nice sweater, shoes that are not flip-flops. You wear new tied shoes. I don't know how else to say it. Lace-up lace shoes. Lace you call shoes. them Oxfords. Yeah. Sometimes I'll wear a nice pair of sneakers, sure. Right. Sometimes I'll wear jeans. Sometimes I'll wear, you know, whatever. Doesn't Maybe even a hat, a hat if it's cold. So here's the thing. There's a, you show up and you look nice. People are going to acknowledge you look nice. It doesn't matter what the dress code is. If you're in style and you look nice and you care about how you look, like that's so important and people forget this and they get lazy. And there's this whole culture going on now. There's this whole culture going on now. 
of just this sloppy, slovenly, I don't care. Uh, I just am here to get some cool work done and we're just going to eat pizza at 2 a.m. and play Xbox and like we got a foosball table and what. No. Not a single person will look at you cross-eyed if you look good and you dress up nice. Oh, that's old school. Well, you know what? Maybe it's time for old school to come back. Old school needs to come back. I'm 100% serious. You ever see that movie Gattaca? I don't think you've seen that. No. They all dressed up in Gattaca and like good. And that was the future. You're going to put on a shirt, a shirt and tie. And if somebody's going to criticize you, well, what do you, what, why you got a tie? Because I like to look good. That's why. Don't ever let anyone make you feel bad for being overdressed. Flip ever. flops. Flip flops in a place of work. Maybe on the beach. Maybe if you work on a beach. That should be your comeback. What do you work at a beach? <sighs> All right. Listen, I promised Mike I'd get him on the show. And he's got a stove. He's ready. He says. Of course he's ready. I can't wait to hear his voice. Well, he does have a nice accent. <laughs> I won't give him a hard time about it being in the UK. Hello. Mike Hurley. How you doing? Hi, oh, I Mike. Gotta, I got to turn his bass way down. How are you doing, Mike? I'm very well. How are you? I'm fine. This is Mike Hurley. He comes to us live and direct from, uh, from London, actually, barking up down Danningham. Barking and, and Danningham. Did I get it right? Buck and Dagnum. Dag- Dagnum. Mm-hmm. And he is the creator and founder of 70 Decibels Podcast Network. I am. You do a handful of shows over there. And uh, you are one of these folks that you're, you're not full time doing that, are you? I'm not. It's an evening thing that I do. This, this is something you come. So you come home from work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you, you sit down in front of a microphone and you start doing shows. And you do the shows until it's 1 like, or 2 a.m. It's, it's like, like 11 p.m. Right, right, right now. It's 11. Uh, 11, yes. Hattie is correct. Hi, Hattie. Hello, Mike. All right, calm down. So tell me about your, your thing and, and, uh, and what it is that you do. And because you, you said you had a quit story and here you are not quitting. No, see, I mean, I kind of, um, I've been thinking a lot about what you've been saying recently, Dan, about um, having something and not being able to, to put as much into either. You know, you've been talking a lot about that. And I remember the first time I heard you and Merlin talk about this and I was like, Dan Benjamin is incorrect. You can do two things. But you are correct, Dan. You you cannot effectively do a full time job. And I mean, you can do them, but something's you're never going to take that side thing to the full potential, right? You're never going to be able to get that thing to get where it could go without it, it's going to be limited, or everything else is going to suffer. Yes, like a lot of things suffered. Um, I don't sleep very much anymore because um, I record until very late, as you said, and also your your social life does suffer because it's my evenings where I'm recording. So, you know, people say to me, oh, Mike, do you want to go for a drink? And I'm like, oh, I can't. I'm recording a hundred nights a week, you know? So it, it, it does become a problem. does become a problem. And then you're, you're, it sounds like you're reaching a point or you're working toward that point where you're going to have to, you're at a crossroads, as we say here in the U.S. You're at a crossroads. You're standing at the crossroads and you're trying to make a decision of what do I do next? Uh, you know, obviously you don't want to flush this thing down the, uh, down the loo. Did I do that right? <laughs> you did. You don't want to flush it down the loo. Instead, that's toilet for the, those of us here in the U.S. <laughs> and, you know, and, and you're struggling. And this is a great place to be. Think about it. This is a great place to be, Mike. It is. This is an awesome, awesome situation to be in. Gee, it sucks because I'm doing really good with my side business. But this is the scary part. Because <laughs> this is where you say, I've got a full-time job, Right. And I'm, I don't want to give this job up because it's my security. I know that I'm going to get X pounds per, that's dollars. Yep. I'm going to get X pounds per week. 
And, you know, as long as I just keep going. Do you like your job? What do you do? Are you a bricklayer? Um, I'm, I actually work in marketing now. I used to work in retail banking, which is soulless. Yeah. Um, but now I work in marketing. For and that's not, marketing's not soulless either. No, marketing is, is fantastic. I, I just, I'm like Don Draper. I just drink. And <laughs> nice. Just walk around with it. It's all I do. Nice. But you do, you know, so you do marketing stuff and that's even tougher if you don't hate what you do. I I knew a guy, he was an amazing illustrator, really, really good illustrator. And, uh, and I, I think it's probably pretty tough to work as an illustrator and pretty tough to make money doing that as a, as a living. But that's what he wanted to do. But like by day, he was, he was, he wasn't like a bricklayer, but he like worked construction. And at home at night, he, he was an amazingly talented artist. You know, he could draw, he could paint, he could do all this great stuff. And he had a real dilemma because like if you're in construction or whatever, you know, manual labor job that he had, like those jobs can be tough to come by and a secure one can be even more tough to come by. Like if you work for like something that's reliable and you, you know, you're like their guy and you show up and you do the work and they can count on you. Leaving that to go into like, well, I'm going to try my hand at illustration. Now those, that's an extreme weird kind of case, but still it's like, you're, you've got to decide now, Mike, can I give up this thing that I have that I don't hate? Maybe that you even like, maybe that you're even fairly good at. I would imagine you're probably good at it. Hmm. I mean, uh, now you've got to give it up to try something unknown like podcasting. You heard about Jason Calacanis, right? Did you hear about this news? No, I haven't. You haven't heard this? No. Hang on, let me open up the email here. This is what? big news. What Hang did on. he do? Well, he did something. Hang on, let me find what it is. That guy does lots of things. No, this is different. This is what he's not going to do. He quit. Oh. Hold on. Uh, I'm holding. I know. I'm, I've got to Google it. <laughs> okay. Yep. There's a link right here on TechCrunch. I'll just read that one. Jason Calacanis has announced via blog post that he's planning to wind down his podcast network thisweekin.com and return the remaining funds to investors. Two of the shows, This Week in Startups, which he hosts, and Kevin Pollack's chat show will continue, but the company itself is shutting down. Calacanis wrote that This Week in wasn't a failure, just a, quote, moderate success that would, quote, not be able to scale. His argument about why a podcasting company is unlikely to make big money. Let me go over to this part. Here's what he says. You tell me, you tell me about this. Here's what he says. Moderate success. Oh, this is such a great topic. Moderate success. Mm-hmm. This would play right off the thing I did at Mailchimp last week exactly. about success. Exactly. You should kind of talk about that. Should I can't I... talk about it today. I Abby. know. I know. Could you write Another it down? Time. I'm, I make a whole list every day. Moderate success versus success. Here's what he says. Moderate success is a distraction and it keeps founders from bigger successes. Now you got to remember the, the, the playing field he's in, Mike, is not ours. Mm-hmm. This is a guy, if, if it's not going to make 50 million bucks a year... You know, like, that's not interesting to him. Well, it's pretty damn interesting to me. But here's what he says. This was a very hard decision because we had all the signs of life and critical acclaim. However, the truth is the long, that long-form podcasting business works under a small set of circumstances. Now, before I read what these small set of circumstances are, okay, mm-hmm. I just want to say that I consider 5x5 five by, five by far to be my biggest success ever, anything I've ever done. And by far, not by, not by any small measure, by a huge measure, I can pay my bills. I have employees. I can pay talented people. 
to do their jobs and come and contribute to the stuff that, 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 uh, that we do here. I have more than a handful of listeners who I think like our stuff and people know who we are and hopefully we're making a difference in helping people out. Mike, that's a big deal. Huge deal. It's a very big deal. Okay. So here's the small set of circumstances that he says are, uh, Long form podcasting business are required to work. They're required to work. One, a host who is very notable, like Kevin Pollock, Leo Laporte, Adam Carolla, Kevin Rose, or Mark Suster in their industry. Okay, so that's what he says. First one, you have to be very notable. Two, a notable host who is willing to work five or 10 hours a week on the show for three or four years to build a respectable audience. Three, a notable host who is willing to work three years for five to 10 hours a week with little or no expectation of compensation. Would you say that any of these are true? Are these all true or none true? I don't think it's exactly as, as clear cut as that. Like saying that somebody has to be notable in their industry, I don't think that's, I don't think that's necessarily true. You can gain notoriety by being prolific. By doing really good work. Yeah. By just, say, but how do you become notable? How do you, maybe your time and place. Oh, I, I was standing on the right corner when the, uh, the talent agent drove by and they picked me up. Sure, that happens. But most of the time, how do you do it? By doing good work, by working pretty damn hard. That's how you do it. Got to keep showing up. You got to keep showing up, Mike. You got to keep showing up. You know, it's like the saying you guys have over there, um, mind the gap. Exactly. You, you keep, mind the gap. keep calm, carry on, right? And Stiff upper lip, toodle pip. Exactly. All of those things. I should have called Jason Calacanis and told him all these things. He didn't, he wasn't, he didn't want to hear from us. No. Yeah, because some, for some reason your name wasn't brought up in there, which is a... Well, I, they, people don't know me. But then you've got to be willing to work five or ten hours a week. What? Yeah, I, I did think, like, I, if he only felt that he needed to work five to ten hours a week, that was why he failed. I mean, this guy's this guy's a multimillionaire, super successful business guy. So I shouldn't probably tell him how to do his work. He's talking about a level of success that's completely different from the kind that perhaps you and I will ever experience. Fifty fifty million dollars, seventy five million dollar a year. That's a mod. That's that's you know. Do you think that he, you know, part of the problem was he had investors and then maybe wasn't as successful as the investors? I don't know. How are you going to handle your investors in seventy decibels? There are no investors. Okay, I don't have any either. Maybe good. I should go get some. I want to go get some. No, don't, don't do that. I'm going today. Don't do it. Here's no. what he says. Very, very few podcasts have made it to scale. And to me, and, and again, listen, he's talking about big, he's talking about big, big, big money, which is way bigger than, than, you know, the kind of money we deal in. Very, very few podcasts have made it to scale. And to me, that says this business will never be big. Why? Well, you need folks like Leo or Adam to make millions of dollars and have breakout successes. But if they decide to stop doing their show, the networks will shutter. That's simple. It just doesn't make sense to invest in a business with this kind of limited upside. That's what he says. Hmm. In fact, the only way to make podcasting a real big business would be if you could somehow get the top seven podcasters to team up and make a mega network. One word. If Leo Laporte, Kevin Rose, Adam Carolla, Kevin Pollock, plus three or four more, I think he meant you, all did shows as one company. It would have eight to fifteen million in revenue and be worth fifty to seventy-five million. But that's a lot of personality to try and corral. I dare say it's impossible. 
So he's pretty pessimistic. He tried something. It didn't work out for him on the scale that he wanted it to work out for. Well, that's like saying opening up a mom and pop store in your neighborhood that bakes, uh, you know, bakes really, really good desserts, gluten-free. There's no reason to do that. God forbid you like what you do. God forbid you serve a community that wants what you're offering. That's stupid. That's not going to scale. That's a moderate success, and it distracts people from big successes. Well, I'm sorry I don't play in that field. I guess I'm just going to have to stay here and do shows that people want to download, Mike. Mm-hmm. But at least That sucks did. for me that I get paid to do something I like. He did quit, though. Yeah, he quit. Probably. And, he, and see, but that must be what it's like to live on that scale. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we're not going to make $50 million a year, so that's, <laughs> I'm moving on. I'm not even getting out of bed for that. Yeah, I don't get out of bed for less than $50 million a year. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I'm not, I, I'd quit too. He'd probably quit at the right time. We could all learn something from that. Should we? Just, is this the last episode of anything both of us ever do? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm going I'm to follow his lead, I guess. We've learned the error of our ways. He says, we won't be trying to solve a problem that we now know is unsolvable. Better to move on and let our angels reinvest their money in the next promising thing. Is your moderate success holding you back? Want to know if you should keep going? Easy way to figure it out. Get some people together you really respect and trust and show them the data and whiteboard it out. Do that with 10 folks and you'll find out real quick if you should keep going. That's what I did and I can tell you it works. All the best, Jason. Good for him. Mm -hmm. Good for us. Great for us. I mean, those people want to listen to something. Hopefully we can come up with something that they might be interested in. Mm-hmm. Now I've got, they've got an extra couple hours a week to listen maybe to your stuff, maybe to my stuff, mm-hmm. Twit stuff, NPR. I mean, when I started this thing, my goal, I wanted to pay my bills. I wanted to pay, I wanted to get myself to the point where I was making the same exact thing that I was making before, before I started this, if I could get there. And I sat down and I said, here's what I need to make a month to pay bills. How do I get to that? That was my goal. And we did much better than that. I'm very proud of that. And I feel very lucky. And that's probably, that hasn't been my story until now. Everything I tried before this pretty much failed. I mean, one way or another, I could tell you how it's a failure. And we've had failures here. Mike up in the in the England. You made a great point there, Dan, actually. And that, that's the sort of the thing that I'm thinking at now about just trying to to do it, to do both things, to have your regular job and your side business, get it to a point where you can earn just as much as you need to survive and then take the jump. And that's why next year, like I do believe that I will be able to take that jump. And that's what I'm working to now. I mean, that's, that's the scary part. And that's what you've got to, you've got to get to the point where you feel like it could be there. See, I was, I was in a really weird situation because I was miserable at a job before I quit to start this thing. It was miserable. And I really couldn't stay there anymore. It had become clear it was done. There's something that I've started to, to realize as well. And that's the danger of a side business because people's side businesses are the things that they love to do the most. Like the thing that I love to do the most is to do podcasting. Like that's the, 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 the one career that I see for myself. And once you start doing that, you start to, to realize that you don't enjoy your job as much and then you start to resent it. And I think that that can be a problem. And I know that's been a problem for me in the past. 
that everything else just pales in comparison to it. And you're like, why can't I just make a living from my side business? So as fun as they are, and obviously I encourage everybody to try and go out on their own as you do, Dan, there can be an inherent danger to that. There can be. And I mean, and it's, and it's scary. It's scary. And you know what, if, if you can do this at the point, if you're lucky enough to do this at the point in your life, to first of all, have your head on straight enough so that you can do this at, at a point in your life where you do, you're not supporting a family, you're not supporting a, a big mortgage and a bunch of car payments and, and all of that stuff. If you can do, if you're like, if you're, if you're young enough and single or, you know, married and, and don't have a big mortgage, don't have all those payments, now is the time for you to make those, those changes or to try those things. And I, l- let me tell you, with, with a few exceptions, a few exceptions, you can find another job that's probably as good as the one you have now. Don't nod, Hattie. <laughs> if, you're tw- if you're in your mid-20s, if you're in your mid-20s. Exception. <laughs> If you're in your mid twenties and you're sitting there, oh, I'll never find a job like this again. You won't. You won't find the same job. But there's plenty of other things out there. If you're 45 and you're saying, "Man, I'm not going to find a job like this again," well, chances are you might be right. That doesn't mean don't do it. But be more be more careful. You know, you're at a point now, Mike, where you know you 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 can you can afford to make a change. You can try something, and you know what. The job market, at least here in the U.S., especially I know here in Austin, if you're in technology, if you're a software developer, if you're a programmer, if you're a designer, developer of some kind, you can work kind of anywhere you want. And if you're willing to pick up and move to a different state, like, you know, who knows, San Francisco, New York, Chicago, Austin, you can find a great job. And yeah, it's going to mean some changes, but you know, you can do that. So if you want to try something, if you, if you actually have a plan, and this is what people don't have, Mike, is they, they don't have a plan. You say, here's what I need to make. I'm going to start trying to do this thing on the side. And guess what? If you work somewhere, don't keep it a secret from your boss. That's another thing people always try and do. They keep things secret from their boss. Go to your boss. Boss, I had an idea. I want to try this little side business. I want to try doing this thing. Okay, what is it? Well, you know, let's, let's make believe you want to start a little design business on the side because you're a designer. I want to go start a little design business. I think it'd be fun to do a project. My friend is opening up a coffee shop. I want to do their brand and their logo and their big sign. So, wow, that's pretty cool. Your boss might surprise you and say, well, you know what? I would love to have somebody working for me here who is so creative that they're, I'm going to be able to drive by with my clients and say, my designer did that sign where we're going to get coffee right now. How cool would that be? They might just surprise you and give you an extra hour a week to do that or two or three. Yeah, that's a great point, Dan. Um, when I was in uh, the, the retail banking, like I was a bank branch manager for years and I hated it. Um, and it was because I'd started to make friends in my company that knew about the podcasting was what helped me get into the marketing job. Um, because I don't have a marketing background of any kind. Um, and they they allowed me to move into this new role in our head office because they you know I knew our business, but they also knew that I had the ability to create things, and I was a creative person. And they knew that we had advertisements on the network, so they knew that I did stuff around that. And it was because of those skills that they'd seen that I'd grown up because grown because I was honest about my side business right. that helped me move into a different part of my career, which is 
much more enjoyable than what I was in previously. So that's a great point. And I don't know if, uh, what the rule is over there, Mike, but generally speaking, the rule here is that if you're not competing with what your employer is doing, generally they're pretty much okay with it. I mean, that's not always going to be true with, you know, with all, with all kinds of, uh, man, someone's been on hold for 14 minutes. I got to get them. Howdy, what's 617? 617, go And, go you know, and these people, these people are going to say, well, you know, we, we do, we, we uh, write database software for, you know, for aerospace contracting. So if you want to go and do a design project, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. All right. Uh, Mike, let's get this person on here. They've Boston. been holding 15 minutes. Boston? Mass- Greater Boston yep. area. All right. Boston, what's up? Uh, I just wanted to tell a little bit of my uh, wife's quit story. Let's hear uh, that, that, um So when we met, we were both uh, corporate stooges. Uh, she was working in, let's say, print publishing, um, and I'm still working in, in software. And uh, But she has a creative writing degree and had always wanted to be a writer um, and just felt like she didn't have the freedom to do that and had a bad manager and just, you know, did not like her job. Uh, one of the things that as we got, you know, more serious in our relationship, got engaged, uh, was I was helping her encouraging her to switch around at work, you know, maybe try and find a different manager. HR helped her with that, but ended up putting her with someone even worse. And uh, eventually she ended up with a good manager, but still not the job she wanted. Um, but now the last uh, year or so, she finally she finally quit. I Sort of, it was more taking advantage of her job being outsourced, but the timing worked uh, to become a science fiction writer. Oh, wow. Uh, so she's been working on that for the last year, the kind of two novels in the works, some short stories here and there, submitting things a few places, kind of getting, getting in that direction. Um, and uh, I think what she's felt the hardest thing about it uh, is not so much doing it herself, but what other people see about, about it and about, uh, you know, now that we're married, the two of us, uh, that we're giving up on, you know, her having a good job, uh, so to speak. And, uh, you know, that by ignoring the potential income from that, but in my mind, you know, we can't put a price on the being able to do something you love. I'm lucky enough that I love coding and can get paid pretty reasonably for that right. here in Boston. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when she was still at her old job and people like, Oh, how are you, you know, what are you working on? How's it going? She could just explain, you know, Oh yeah, I'm I'm in the office. No big deal. Nobody would question it. But now if she says, Oh yeah, I'm working on a book. Everyone's like, Oh, you know, so when do you go back to work? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a really, that's an interesting situation in general. There's a couple points you make there. I'm going to, I'm going to let you go. Thanks for calling in. Uh, you know, the, Mike, he makes a few interesting points. I mean, one of them is if there's two of you and you know that one of you can kind of be the stable one while the other one can experiment, try something, do something different. That's, that's a really, really nice place to be. Hmm. And you've, but you've got to be fair about it. You've got to be fair about it. For example, if you get to try something, 
say, well, listen, I think it's going to take me six months to try this thing. Like I said before, I say this every time, have a plan, have a plan for it. I will be making what I used to make at my full-time job within three months. And if I don't, then I will stop doing it. I will be making uh, 1.2 times what I made in six months or I'll stop doing it or whatever you feel you need to do. And then you also have to have something that pays the other person back, whoever's helping you out to do this. Now, if it's your parents, that's a little bit different. If you move home and you're living at home, then you got to work out something different. But if it's your spouse, your partner, your boyfriend or girlfriend, your husband or wife, you've got to make a deal with them. You know, maybe the deal is you get to try something and when it's successful after X number of months or years, then it's their turn to do something. And they're doing something could be taking off time and not working. Maybe their goal could be starting their own business and you'll commit to investing in their own business by, with your savings that you'll set aside from day one for that. Maybe your plan will be they want to have kids and be home with the kids. Guys do that too, by the way, Mike. They do. You don't know what it is. Maybe their, their plan is to go back to school or go to school for the first time. Who knows? But you have to have a deal. You have a deal. You strike a deal. And once you have that deal in place, then you're free to do what you want to do. Use that support structure. You only live once. You only have one opportunity in many cases because by the time you've got that mortgage and two car payments, you know, and, and you're saving up for your kids to go to college now, it's a lot tougher to float that argument that, yeah, now's a really good time. I see a great opportunity. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck convincing her of that. Do it, do it now because you might not have that chance later. That's what I think, Mike. And you're going to do it, aren't you? I can tell. I'm going to. I know, I know your type. It, you know, that's a good point about like the support structure is good to have. I mean, and I'm, I'm very lucky. I have a very supportive girlfriend, but she, she's starting to want to do her own side project. So I now need to support her with that. So yes, you know, she's supportive in that. It means that, you know, we can't spend as much time together because I'm doing this in the evenings. Well, then her thing, she might need to start doing things on the weekend. Well, I need to accept that because right. she's been so supportive of me over the last two years. Fair is fair, Dan. And you know, fair is fair. And you know what else? When you start a job, when you start a new job, we talked about interviewing, mm -hmm. being yourself. When you start a job, that's the time you get to prove yourself. I'm not saying you're not going to screw up. But whether it's 90 days or 120 days or whatever, like th that's when you get to come in and you've got to, you've got to do something amazing and you may screw up along the way. That's fine. You're learning, but you've got that first few weeks of grace period where all you're doing is learning. And then you got to, then you got to turn it on and you got to be productive and you got to knock stuff out of the park because that's when it really, really counts. And if you're not happy, get out before you get out before you waste any more of their time. That's not fair. I did that. I told that story last time, I think. So what are you going to do? When can we, uh, you're going to do this? You're going to work on this? Is this something that they're not listening, are they? Oh, my employer? No. 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 I mean, I'm, I'm keeping going. Like, I think that we're getting to a point now where we're, we're starting to grow and um, think, think good things are happening for the network. So I, I really do think like the early part of next year is going to be a, a time where I'm able to to go out on my own with this. Yeah. Well, our sponsors have been stable and I think that we're going to get more coming on board and things, things are looking good for us now. I think so. I got a good feeling. All right, listen, we got to wrap this up. I've been talking on here for an hour and a half. 
Sorry if I didn't get to your call. Uh, but if you want, you can leave a voicemail, apparently. And I'll, I'll try and get to it. I got to two or three this time. Voicemail number is 512. That's Austin. Mm-hmm. 512-222-8141. Again, 512-222-8141. Would you like for me to post it? It's all, Well, it's on 5by5.tv slash okay. quit. It's right up there at the top. That's where you can go leave a voicemail. And I do listen to all of them, and I will try and get to all of them uh, during the show, which I did not do a good job of today. But I apologize for that. But if you have a question, that's the best way to do it. Leave a voicemail. Some people write in, and I, I enjoy receiving those. So thank you. And I use, I use those more for show topic ideas. But I'll be back next week. It'll be Friday, uh, December 21st. I'll be here in the uh, studio doing another one of these shows, 5 p.m. Eastern time. So I'd love it if you could tune in. Mike, where can people go to find you? 70 decibel, decibels or decibels, as you say. As I say, 70decibels.com. I'll put that in the show notes for you. Thank you, Dan. I'm um, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. That's your own spelling. Is that a common spelling there in the UK? No, I, I think it's only me. Oh, cool. All right. So that's what you do. You can see that I didn't, there's not really a lot of show notes here. 5by5.tv slash quit slash three is where you go to get the show notes for this one. And who knows? I mean, maybe uh, maybe uh, you'll quit your job. But I want to hear your story. So call in, write in, and uh, leave, or leave me a voicemail. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And, uh, have a good one. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Dan. Bye, Bye Mike. Hattie. Bye. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dan.